Hmm. Uh, I think they probably will because they're so super silly. Right. Uh, look at that. Joey Maddox shop. Gosh, my years uh, of experience living in London, you know, let yes. me know just as I've walked past that shop a million times. Why? If it isn't 469 Fulham Road in Fulham. You know? Oh, uh, oh, it's you pronounce it Fulham. But there's six syllables you forgot. When I was in Fulham, I would go into the butcher shop and they said, oh, Mr. How do you here for your bacon? I said, no, give me the full ham. They gave him, yeah, right. Well, I'll take the I, lot, boys. I have a similar story when I was at Quarter Ham. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll take the chops and legs, please. Just a quarter. A quarter? So are they, like, scheming something? Okay, this guy you're seeing who's the boss, he is a real-life criminal. He was also an actor. He was also an actor. But he was a real-life criminal. As a matter of fact, one time he came to the set after a night of drinking and fighting. He had bitten a guy's finger off, and he had it in a little matchbook. Wait, this guy suspended? Yes, this guy. This guy can't even hurt a fly. He bit a guy's finger off and brought it to the set next day. Well, put a little bit, put a few pints in him, eh? He's got his might. Oh, man, I would hate to be that guy. I'd be like, where's my finger? Oh, the guy bit it off and brought it on set. <laughs> I was going to flip him the bird, and I was like, hey, something's missing here. That's my finger. I should get credit for it. I should be the one bringing it in. Except the thing is, they don't flip the bird in England, right? They do that two-figure finger, like reverse oh, right. peace sign, and it curls that, a little. Is that what it is, a reverse peace sign? Right. No, not on purpose. I was just describing it. It's yeah, like, yeah. this is my, like, my fingers up your naughty parts is what they're saying. Yeah, up your nostrils. What are you, fucking sweat hog? <laughs> yeah, right, two fingers up your nostril. Hey, get a rubber hose and stick it up your nose. Okay, so what we're learning now is this guy, Joey Maddox. Joey Maddox has a shop, you know, that I saw was on Fulham Road. And we're, he's going to join. He's going to do a merger with us, and we're going to pay us protection money. Right. But, but the thing is, Chaz has a longtime childhood uh, fight with this Joey Maddox. And so... The boss is saying, you're not the one to lean on him for the merger for protection money. Not at all, because you have a personal history with this guy. Well, that's pissing Chaz off. He wants to be the strong arm to fuck up Joey Maddox. And he's gotcha. denied. Listen, this guy, you don't recognize him from Patriot Games? He certainly was older. Well, I would give him that much. And it's nice to see a, a gentleman in the 70s, uh, 1970 British movie, being an American blockbuster in his mind. But, <laughs> no, he's just one of those faces. I don't remember much about Patriot Game. Oh, okay. They have to be quiet because Russians are singing in the submarine next door. <laughs> no, that's right. Weren't they hunting for Red October in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, what Patriot Games was, was the um, Jack Ryan novel series, one of the earlier times when, I think it was the second one, and it was about the IRA people coming to the United States. Uh, no, I think they were in England, right? He was he was an ambassador in England. Yeah, they show up every... It doesn't matter. 
Oh, I... Now, the thugs have fucked up Joey Maddox. Um, and that's Joey Maddox right there. And he's, like, telling the cop, I don't want to press charges. Do you understand? Why? Because of the protection thing? Yeah, like, because it's a mobster. And if he, if he tries to get him, like, arrested or something, forget it. That'll never happen. And he'll get killed. So he's like, nothing happened here, copper. Keep walking. There's a porcelain toilet, it is. <laughs> now, uh, who should show up to his old childhood rival but Chaz? Fucking Joey Maddox, isn't it? Now, he's not supposed to be there. He's not supposed to be there. Can I say something controversial? May I hot take? Chaz is a perfectly serviceable nickname. I wrote a screenplay and my main hero was Chaz. Was it short for Charles? No, I just made him Chaz and I put in a Z. I don't know what it was short for. Does he say, it's time for some Chaz and the Raz? That's a great play? idea. I, I, it's about five years old, but I could amend it. Yeah. Oh, hey, I have an idea. We have to amend our screenplay to National Lampoon's Open Micers. Oh, yes? Okay. Yeah. I'm always open for that. Well, we should apply that there's a coronavirus going on, but nobody wears a mask. Okay. And every once in a while, there'll be someone in the background with a mask. That's the big edit? Fine, we'll do it. Great. Hey, perfect. We're on board. <laughs> and as always, podcast audience, don't take our movies, our screenplay idea. Thanks. Right. Don't take the idea of, uh, first of all, licensing from National Lampoon, just because, yeah, I want to have that. And then yeah, the saga of two friends who are open micers make it, you know, as people around them become famous, it's their long journey yes. to, of losership. Don't steal our idea. And then they make it in the end because it's a Hollywood movie. Don't steal our idea. Don't steal our idea. Except one guy gets an epiphany and realizes it's all bullshit and that he's just as happy without it. But don't steal no, our idea. That, no. Okay, look, we got to talk about that because that's <laughs> one guy who goes off. I don't get your message. Quit comedy. Quit comedy. You'll feel better. I don't get your message. And then don't forget what happens in the end. He comes back. Right. That's right. And he's anxious. He can't wait to do his set. No, wait. Let's hear these accents, okay? All right. That's the end. You think he does, Danny? Oh, I do. I get a load of kicks out of it. Which can be a good thing, Chase. Putting a little stick about. Putting the fighters on flash little twerps. Leave it on, leave it on. Awesome. This is some good dialogue. Leave it on, nice. leave it on. All right, I will. And it can slip your mind. You're bloody working for me, you Burke! Okay, what good. Burke. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted you to catch that. Look how happy Joey is. Oh, the business. The business! That's what he means. Quick first time, then. In which you're a cog, boy. A cog in the wheel of our mob business. I know what I am. And it's the business of business. This is great. It's okay. the business of business. He's a Burke. Yeah. God, I hate being called Burke. Oh, what a poshy Burke geezer he was. You could call me in Oakland, you could call me in San Francisco, but how dare you? Don't call me a... Oh, Burbank? No, Berkeley. Oh, I'm not a Burke. Do you see Birkenstocks on my feet? Do you see me annoying people? No, I'm not from Berkeley. Have I showered today? Yes. 
This yes, is not that's right. <laughs> they don't shower in Berkeley. It's the, the bane of Alameda County. Alameda. So is, so I'm going to have, I'm gonna have yeah, watch this movie. <laughs> okay, okay. What I want you to know, because it's critical for a, a turning point, is he told him not to get involved. Chaz was like, this mobster stuff is my life. I'm doing what I want. He'll be happy later that I stepped in and showed him I could use my, you know, my personal feelings weren't involved, but they were. So he really got his ass chewed out. Now, Joey. Okay, wait, I think we're about to see Mick. Oh, the guy throwing paints everywhere. Well, no, see, Joey Maddox has now broken into Chaz's apartment and fucked it up. And he's going to beat the shit out of Chaz because he thinks. If the mob boss, whose name is Mr. Flowers, if he thinks if the mob boss is down on Joey, you know, I can get uh, down on Chaz, I can get away with it. Oh, all right. But I like how the guy drives through this, like, tunneled alley and with this weird, like, and it's cut to all this bloody stuff. Right. Now, we, I said, I think Mick, we're, we're going to see Mick painting the walls. And the reason is that the studio was like, you, you know, you guys wait 45 minutes until we see Mick Jagger, that he's the star, you know, he's, right. he's the only, that's why this people will come to see this. So they tried to put him in early. And it was dumb. It, it was out of context. He was spray painting his house or something. Now, look, they're going to whip him. Okay. Wow. So he goes, don't kill him. Don't kill him. This is just teaching him a lesson. So all this violence, shaving the guy's head while a car burns acid, whipping a guy, this just seems all practical to me. The acid stuff was like, if you pay us money each week, everything will be cool. And we got to show that to you. This whipping we're seeing is because Joey's pissed off. The mob came in, taken over his business. They're going to take half of it. And then this old childhood rival shows up thinking he can push him around. This is the only way Joey can have any power over his own world is by beating this guy up. That Here's Mick. Did you see him? He doesn't look like Mick at all. Uh, Wait, where? Yeah, Not where? These two. Yeah. They keep cutting too fast. I can't even. I think I'm going to surrender. <laughs> is that Mick? I'm not answering that stupid question. Is that Mick Jagger? Come on. This no, I'm not answering that. No. no, that's Charlie Watts. Uh, oh, the late Charlie Watts who passed away. Yeah, he's just passed. And, uh, you know, it was not like it's not expected. But, uh, well, you know, Pete uh, Townsend called Mick Jagger. And he says, well, you guys got to go do a farewell tour now. <laughs> Right, as soon as the drummer dies, Pete's on yeah. the Hey, listen, what do you do at Center on Morning? Go on road. It was just the bloke who beat his skins. What's everyone blubbering about? Now, when we were in high school in the 1980s, that's when the Who started their farewell tours, right? Yeah. Okay, wait, I want to tell you that Chaz was feigning, fainting, right? He was pretending he got knocked out, all so that he could take him by surprise, and now he's done it. So now he's got Joey at gunpoint. Do you know that song uh, by Taylor Swift? And it goes, we are never, ever, ever getting sure. back together. I was trying to do a parody of either Kiss or The Who, in which they claim this is our final farewell tour. 
They're with the reporters <laughs> going, we're never, ever, ever. And then the next verse they do. And then at the reporter's interview, they go, we are never, like for like ever. That's so funny. Yeah. Hey, Carl, like, we can't pull it together yet. Carl, I have to get more coffee. Uh, hold, I'll be right back, okay? Okay. Thanks. Okay, so James Fox is our star here. He is Chaz. And to prepare for the role, um, Donald Camo, the director, uh, got him hooked up with real-life mob guys in London. Uh, let's see. Here he is. An English actor, well-known acting family, notable films, King Rat, The Servant, Thoroughly Modern Millie. He quit the screen for several years to become an evangelical Christian. Now, right after this movie, although he swears it had nothing to do with the movie. Um, as a matter of fact, he speaks to it, and maybe we'll get to that later in the podcast. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys know Patriot Games and you know his face because he's been around. Okay, James Fox, previously cast in other rather uppercut crust roles, eventually, well, I'll tell you about Marlon Brando later, spent several months in South London among the criminal underworld researching his role. Director Donald Campbell arranged for James Fox to spend time with real East London gangsters to prepare his character. David Liventhoff, credited as dialogue coach and technical advisor, but actually pretty much mob liaison, made sure he didn't get into real trouble. Um, and this involves hanging out with the Cray Brothers. You might have known that movie. The Cray Brothers were real-life, very famous gangsters back in the day. And Kamel cast some real-life crooks in this film. We already talked about one of them. Uh, Fox shares how intense preparation was. He immersed himself in his role as Hitman Chaz. I spent hours in the gym just being around those guys. You know, the criminals. Help me find Chaz. I met Ronnie Cray. You had a haircut and clothes. I took to wearing and living in the area. It felt quite great and liberating, actually. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, so he was a real-life mob thug for a while, although someone was with him to make sure he didn't get his ass beat. Okay, Mike, what you missed is he's now killed Joey Maddox. That is not going to make the boss happy. Also, cops are going to be involved. So Chaz has got to go on the run. Did they want Joey dead, or they didn't? They didn't like, no, they, they they took over Joey's business. Said they were making him a partner. So basically, what happened is Joey was extorted. Right? You you right. you work for us and run your business, and pretty much just pay us half your money, or we're going to kill you. So no, the mob did not want Joey killed. They just lost a bunch of investment. Oh, you definitely have to go on the lamb for that. Now he's no, no. He's not on the lamb from the mob. He's on the lamb from. I might have said that, and I misspoke because he will be on the lamb from the mob as soon as he hangs up this phone call. Gotcha. He, he calls the mobster. Now, why are they in the boss's bedroom while he's sleeping? They call the up boss the, look, the boss is looking at a porno magazine. Yeah. Why would you look at, like at a porno magazine 
And if you couldn't do anything about your big boner that was to follow, because there's a bunch of mobsters hanging out in your bedroom. It makes no sense. It's awkward because the mobsters are like, hey, uh, boss, are you done with that magazine? (laughs) I got to use the restroom. There's no toilet paper. Let me use the magazine. Yeah. We don't have any toilet paper. Uh, Do you have any tissues? No, no problem. I got a sock. I got a sock. So... Chaz does what he should do. He checks in with his work. He checks in with the boss. I gotta get off the street, you say. And then he gets the feeling from this phone call they're gonna kill him. Oh my god, they use Kentucky fried chicken baskets for uh lamp lampshades. Oh, is that I, I missed it. Is that what it was? Yeah, left like? it. Let's rewind the film. Okay, hold on, audience. Yeah, rewind. We're backing up. It's on the other side of the bed. We haven't seen it yet. It's not, that's not it. That's not it. Not is that it. not it? That's their tassels. It's there. It is. Look, it's right there. Ah, the red and white stripes. Yeah. What do you do with a mad dog? Will you put him to sleep? Don't you? So you put mad dogs to bed. Yeah. Put them down. The porpoise is laughing. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. That's two episodes ago. Don't bring it back up. Oh, I loved it. I had a great time watching it. I know. I want to watch it again. Yeah. Torture the audience. Today (laughs) we're doing head for the third time. Oh, enough head. (laughs) No. I got head from Carl Mike. Look, he he ruined the first volume of the phone book. Yeah, he he was absent-mindedly drawing a stick fig uh, a figure, and then after the phone call, he realized he was going to get killed. So he turned it into like a hangman and crossed it oh. out, which means I'm going to be dead if I don't skedaddle now. Well, wow, we that was that was a good that was a good phone book day, is what I'm trying to say. Like he had a very productive day with that phone book. Oh, look, it's the Rolls-Royce after the acid. No, it's a different Rolls-Royce. The Rolls-Royce all throughout this film. And um, that's the uh, car of choice for this film. And all my years in London tell me. Yes. (laughs) Oh, goodness. If I haven't parked under that bridge and smoked me a fag a couple million times, I tell you. Oh, if I haven't wiped red paint on my face. It's going to go on his hair. He is now, uh, there's, okay, there's Mick spray painting his room. Yeah, about time. Yeah. And his appearance in this film is super early, so the audience knows, oh, Mick will be in it. Now, look what he did. He put actual literal paint in his hair, and now he's cleaning it up with gasoline. Does this? Yeah, because we watched him really destroy a car. And then this guy walks into a car with gasoline. But it's not for the car. It's for his head. Right. It's weird. This guy has an oil-based paint. Oh, he's calling his mother right now. God. What's say? He's clearly in Wandworthstown Railway Station. Clearly. Anyone in Wandsworth, from- London. Clearly. With anyone with your years of experience in London just living there? Yeah. 
Now, is this really London? I haven't seen a single Ferris wheel. <laughs> One time I drove into Texas with a coworker. He was from uh, Afghanistan. Uh, he was from Pakistan. And we rolled into Texas. You know, we crossed the border and he goes, there's no horses. What's, where are all the horses? Oh, right. Yeah. Like you go to London. Where are all the street urchins? <laughs> Excuse me, Fagan, where's your street urchin? Uh, I'm not Fagan. How come no one's cleaning a chimney? Well, it's funny, too, because you look at London now, and it looks like you wouldn't be able to live in it. Like, it, like this seems like an area you could live in, right? Like well, it's a train station. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you what's going on here, because our film will now sort of cut in half. Okay. okay. So he goes to the train station to go to his aunt's house. Um, and instead, he's overhearing this, like, uh, Jimi Hendrix lookalike person talk to his mother. And they're, uh, you know, his mother's white. I, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I'm adopted. So it's, not Chaz, it's not Chaz's mom. It's, it's Jimmy's mom. It's Jimmy's mom. And he's talking about Mick Jagger. He's saying there's a guy named Turner. It, it's 81 Powis Square. There's a bit, you know. My stuff's in the basement. I own 41 quid. So I'm going to Liverpool to do these gigs, and I'll mail it back 41 quid as soon as I get it to Mick. And Mick said it was okay because his whole life is there. All his gear, all his stuff, it's all in that basement apartment. So Chaz is overhearing this, and he's going to go to 81 Powers Square, uh, which in real life is 25 Powers Square. Don't try to scam me, movie. And he will pretend... That he's Jimmy's friend with the 41 quid, and Jimmy said he could stay in the basement. This is how he's going to totally disappear, and the mobsters won't, they won't know where he is. He's hiding in a basement right in London. Right. Well, he's got it all planned out. Yeah, and his plan changed in one second. So now this becomes, instead of like the mob life, it's like life on the run. Again, like the, like the monkeys, right? First half, there's a plot. Yeah, they Second do half, something. They now, you see that little girl? Did you see that little girl with the dogs? Yeah. Yeah, that was Mick Jagger's current girlfriend of the time. Well, he's anything but consistent, I guess. It, it was a different time and place, a different era. Things like that were permitted. Right. Here it is, 81 Powers Square, which is really 25. Why? Why? Can I ask you, is there really a footbridge over there? Yeah. Well, okay. Thanks. Yeah, That's all. totally made of feet. You should have seen it. They were out of bricks, but they had all these uh, dead Pakistanis, so they used their feet. It's a very cool footbridge. Here's the Beatles. Here comes the Beatles. What is that? Oh, it's mushrooms. Now, before, I said an acid trip, but it's going to be a mushroom trip, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. It's healthier for you. It's a better come down. You don't really it's know what's in the acid. <laughs> you think of it. I give you a mushroom. It's a mushroom, right? If I give you yeah. a piece of blotter paper, who knows? Who knows, right? It could be d lysergic acid, dialethylamide 25. Tartrate 25. Damn it, I messed it up. It yeah, you But you don't know. We are messing up our jokes on this show today. I mean, yeah. our jokes would have been a lot funnier if we got it the first time. 
Well, I think if we got it right the first time, it still might not have been very funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not saying that the quality of jokes are better. I'm just saying, like, the delivery would have been better. <laughs> so now uh, Chaz is trying to get in the door, and he's flicking the sound of 41 quid on the speaker. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, the basement. Are you are you using money to uh, make music? I am. Well, huh, mm -hmm. makes sense. <laughs> we don't count our paper here. Okay, so he's basically checking out this house in which he's going to spend a lot of time. Cool. Oh, so the movie basically resets. Now, of course, I've never been inside of 25 Powers Square uh, because outside. I would just walk past it when I was going to my flat. I would just walk right. past it when you, I was on my way to my flat, my flat. Yeah, that's the second time you mentioned, like a platform. Yeah. Nobody can ever live in my stomach because it's not a flat. <laughs> that's a good one, girl. <laughs> okay, I'm doing it at the open mic. <clears throat> Live in my domach. Ah, uh, the sound of us writing down jokes from the show. Yeah, Number I should play you. Okay, there's Anita. There's Anita. Now, Anita is the muse of the Rolling Stones. Now, a lot of people were in their lives. It's not like she's the only one or the most important one, but she was a big part. Uh, let me just tell you about this. Okay. Oh, no, it's not her. Here it is. Anita Pallenberg, German-Italian. She was an artist, an actress, a model, whatever. I, she's, she was called an it girl. Back then, you and I weren't around for it, but in London in the 60s and 70s, there was something called an it girl. And it was an attractive young woman, but and generally a celebrity, but they were perceived as both having like sex appeal and personality that was very engaging. Like they had the whole package. You know, I was born in London in 1968, right? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So it's like um, Arnold, Arnold from uh, Different Strokes. <laughs> no, Arnold from Different Strokes was born in February of 68. I was born in October, but I do, I do use him as a barometer. Because mm -hmm. it's both oh, London. That's one. Well, growing up, I would say, wow, I'm eight years old and I haven't started in a, my own movie. Look at Gary Coleman. He must be living the sweet life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, right yeah. now, he's still trying to talk her into it. You know, he's going to give her 41 quid. And he says that he's a performer. He's a juggler. And, uh, he need, you know, he's got bookings here in London and he needs a place to be for a month or so. You know, so he's right. look, she will see how she opens her legs and everything there and she's turning on the sex appeal. Okay. Um, Pallenberg was credited as the muse of the Rolling Stones. She was the romantic partner of Rolling Stones founder and musical instrumentalist, Brian Jones. Brian Jones. About time yeah. David Bowie. And later, no, that was Davy Jones. And later from 67 to 1980, he was, she was the partner of Keith Richards. And she had three children with Keith Richard. She was in Barbarella. 
Oh, was he? Was he Duran Duran? Barbarella, Barbarella with Jane Fonda. Barbarella. Okay, never mind that. For our show, what's important is she was one of those people in Candy. Those people where? Uh, the movie Candy with Ringo Starr. She was one of those oh, yes, crazy. Yeah, she yeah. was chasing her, uh, them on the motorcycle, uh, finding them at, you know, holding them up at the airport. That lady. I guess uh, I didn't like that movie when I was younger, but now that I'm a middle-aged man, I think it's a great film. Mm. Took a while. Okay. Took a while. Helen Bird first met the band in 65 in Munich when she, where she was working on a modeling assignment before they had made it big. Joan spoke German, so they began a friendship that turned into a two-year relationship. She recalled later they took a lot of acid during this time, but it caused Jones to have nightmares. She ended the relationship with Jones in 67 when he became violent towards her during uh -huh. a vacation in Morocco, and then he was hospitalized. Well, he died two years later, but in Morocco, Keith Richards saw Jones assaulting Pallenberg, pulled her away, took her back to England, and she moved in with him, and she and Richards began a relationship that lasted till 1980. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Now, have you have you read Keith Richards' memoirs? Like, no. no, I haven't. I wonder if it's worth a read. When I was 15, the Rolling Stones were everything to me, and I read a bunch of books about them at the time. Right. But, uh, I've since grown up. <laughs> you uh, so so you knew the story about Brian Jones drowning yeah. in a swimming pool and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, they kicked him out of the band. They should have just waited. He was going to do it for them. <laughs> right, it worked with the Who. Okay. Um, although they were never married, Richard's lifestyle was not conducive to fatherhood. Uh, she was trying to raise their two young children, but Richard's was up all night, slept all day. He eventually detoxed himself from drugs and stayed clean, but Pallenberg continued to use drugs. Now, as she's a mom... Yeah. Um, this is what ended their relationship, according to Richards, in his 2010 autobiography. Maybe that's what you're talking about. Right, yeah, I am. Isn't it called, like, me? Something like that. Now, look, you see the kissing and... Okay, that is Mick with two women. All right, so Mick probably had sex with Anita during this filming. That really probably happened. Um, there were rumors that Pallenberg also had a brief affair with Mick Jagger during the filming of performance, and Keith Richards states it in his autobiography that it did happen that way. Anita denies the affair, and she did so, like, every time she's ever had an interview. But oh, Mick doesn't deny the affair. He says, like, irritating stuff like, let's just leave that one shrouding it a bit of mystery, I. I mean, there's all this stuff. Okay, Mick wasn't forthcoming on how the method acting sex scenes were between him and Anita. He just laughed and said, let's just leave it at the word mythical and let legend take hold. Yeah, I asked right. a lot of the other cast and crew, and they said it was about as method as you could get, which means he slept with him. Well, you know, we mentioned this when we watched the last Nicholas Rock movie, the 
uh, less than stellar full body massage from the night. Right, right. We, we mentioned that he did a movie called Don't Look Back, and it's about Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, and they're on uh, they're Americans in, in Europe, and their their child dies, and it's just the horror of that, and then some supernatural shit. But there's a sex scene which they, people swear it was realistic. It became like a legend that oh yeah 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 they really did it. Same director. Yeah, same exact director. Now, what was that one called again? Don't Look Back. Okay, no. Maybe it's called Don't Look Now. Don't Look Now. That's what I'm that thinking. 1973. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that you, was with Don, you, Now, your, your dead child is going to be in the, uh, the canals. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, Don't Look Back sounds like a better title because you don't, you know, the past. Yeah. Past, you know, right? Or Don't Look Back in Anger, for sure. Don't look back in anger. Yeah. Uh, okay, here is the bath scene in which they the audience was screaming, the water's dirty! Look, look at the water! It's dirty! Hey, this is the coolest bathroom I've ever seen in my entire life. There's down, Anita. Down to the shaming. Uh, is she cutting her coke with sugar? I don't think so. I think she's tying the ends of joints. She's Make Look sure. how this ash is just flicking into. I can never do that. Like read a book or smoke a cigarette in a bathtub. It gets wet immediately. I should just say that uh, the, the woman in the tub, her name is Michelle Brenton. She's playing Lucy and she's French. And this is the only thing she was ever in ever. Look at Anita, man. Whoa. I know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, she's the full, she's the full Monty there. Nick. So we're now, looking at young. Nick was acting. He was not playing himself. He's not doing his own personality. He gets a lot of credit. Now, this is his first film ever, even though the uh, Kelly's, Ned Kelly, was released in 1970 ahead of this film. Ned Kelly, that's right. What a weird movie that was. Yeah, we're the Kellys! Yeah. And there, there's that great sexy scene where he's talking to a lady about Men wearing beards, having a good proper beard. Okay, well, this film was shot ahead of that, but it really can't count as his first film because Ned Kelly came out first. Ned Kelly, Ned Kelly is a phenomenal. I mean, that's such a great job he did. Yeah, and I saw that. Look at the, how they're putting the money on him. They're sticking quid notes, Bob notes on his. Whoa, man, Anita, man. Whoa. <laughs> She's taken, dude. She is taken by everyone. She was taken by Mick. She was taken by the director, Donald Kamel, before she met Brian. Or no, maybe it was after. She was taken by Keith. Yeah. There's this great little kid in the film. He's there like once or twice. And Okay, so Chaz is calling his relative. And the relative will arrange for him like a passport to America. And that's part of our plot. Right, because he killed the wrong guy at the wrong time. That's right. You're going to Sicily, you're going to fall in love with a girl, and then we'll blow her up. Boom. And you'll come back and marry Kate. Okay. I got to tell you, Mike, the first time I ever saw this film, I was like, okay, whatever. The second time I saw the film, I was like, oh, I get it now. So much of the film I missed just because of the way they speak to each other. You know, that's a bit of all right. Like the second time you watch the film, you mean, oh, he's appreciative of this bird, you know? So 
I've I've seen this film like I don't remember how many times because it was interrupted. Okay, this might be my fifth time watching, might be my only my fourth time watching. Now I get it, like it's in my ear and in my brain, their cockney accent. That's heroin. You see her shooting her butt? Yeah. That's she, really right. real life heroin Anita is doing. Real life heroin, huh? Yeah. But she just did heroin in front of our face. I've never seen shot in the butt or like yeah, the first time she uh, ever tried going in her butt, it was she was just giving it a shot. Yeah, to see how it goes. Okay, that didn't. Uh, no, didn't. Didn't. that that joke was the bottom of the barrel. No, that didn't work. No, no. I've already uh, done my crack in the mirror joke. You see how she's looking in the yeah, mirror? Right. We're yeah. out of buttons. I I don't play you that crack in the mirror joke. Okay. Now he's being invited to meet Mick Jones-Turner for the first time ever, the guy who he's paying rent to. And Mick will not want him there. Mick will not want him there. Because Mick sees through him, right? He knows he's not. No, that's not why. He will eventually figure out that he is a... um, Mobster? Yeah, but but, uh, he's not who he says he is. Like, you know, these shots, they're like far away and up front, and then there's something else in the background. It's just no yeah, logic. That's Noel. Uh, no, uh, how do you say his name? Noel. No, Doing people. his job. It's not Noel. Nicholas Roeg. Yeah, yeah, Roeg. That's how, him doing his job. I mean, he was an accomplished uh, cinematographer at that point. Yeah. Okay, do you want to hear my open mic joke? You have the tape? Uh, yeah, you couldn't hear it before. Of course, right. I, I, that's okay. the joke. Right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so there's a cook-off, right? It was oh, darn. No, that wasn't <laughs> Damn it, damn it. People could always accuse me of ripping off people's material. I'm like, hey. Yeah, maybe uh, I lived in. I'm from Russia, and TV watches you. Boom, boom. in Soviet Russia. <laughs> I found the joke. I found the joke. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, I did the Peter Bus joke too. Here we go. I come home and I, I, I got my wife this nice full-length mirror for the bedroom, right? She, I come home, she's up in the bedroom changing. She's like, this mirror is cracked. You have to return this mirror. It's, there's a crack in it right there. I was like, what? So I go over and I look. She says, right there. I said, I said sweetheart, if you would put on some pants, there wouldn't be a crack in the mirror. Oh. Oh. I don't know. What do you think? I'm trying to listen to that audience reaction, man. You were very brave for playing that. <laughs> so now all Mick Jagger is doing here is saying, there's been a mistake. You'll have to go. He's saying, I'm sorry, but 7-Eleven is closed right now. I just put on my uniform, granted, but we're not open. Is your 41 bob back? Look, he ashed on his, his rug. He goes, that's 250 years old. I thought it was an antique. He doesn't like him. <laughs> So then, 
He thinks up a lie real quick that right. all of his stuff is being shipped to this address. Look at his red hair, man. It's just crazy. It's it's frozen because he's painted himself. Yeah. I mean, is he doing that so people won't recognize him? Yes, that's what he did on the run. But the thing is, if there was paint in your hair, wouldn't you immediately want to get it out as soon as you could? I, honestly, I would probably feel burning sensation. Yeah, right. So he, that little kid who we see, he asks him to go and buy him some turpentine. So you can't even just get it out with water. He's going to have to put turpentine on his hair, on his skull. Yeah, I watched his video going viral. Oh, hey guys, uh, don't forget to subscribe button. <laughs> Today I'm going to put paint in my ear. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Well, you do you remember that it went viral, but this poor woman put uh, gorilla glue in her hair? I didn't see that. Yeah, it became a thing. They they actually got a, a, a doctor to take care of it. Gorilla who? Gorilla glue. Not, not the weed strain, the actual gorilla. So the writer was hanging around during the film of this, and he he swears Mick was not being himself. Uh, this dropout character wasn't Mick at all, a more dedicated guy you couldn't wish to meet. So he wasn't playing himself. He apparently worked hard on the role. Um, Good. Well, what else do we know Mick Jagger, the actor? Yeah, no, he is definitely, okay, so I have his history here, but only, you know Mick Jagger so well that I didn't want to tell you. Well, he was in The Rolling Stone. I just have here what movies he's been in. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm interested in. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Jagger had an intermittent acting career. His most significant role was this one, according to the, the and he was in Ned Kelly, the Australian. Wasn't uh, Yahoo Serious doing the Ned Kelly thing, right? Didn't he have yeah, a movie? I think he had a Ned Kelly movie as well, Riyahu Serious. Okay. Jagger auditioned for the role of Frank and Furter Frank for, in, in, in Rocky Horror, but he didn't oh. get it. Tim Curry got it. Um, I don't know if Mick could have handled it. Tim Curry kicked its ass. You know, so I, I told you I was born in London, but my parents right. in the swing 60s in London went to see Rocky Horror Show. Uh-huh. And with the... Richard O'Brien version, not the picture show, the show, the the, the live stage version. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, let's see. That was the the original performer in its theatrical run, uh, run in London's West End was Tim Curry, so he got the part. Oh. Um, also, that same year, actually, they considered him for Dune. You know, the Frank Herbert book, The yes, Monster. Yeah. He was himself in the Ruddles film. Uh, oh, the Ruddles? Yeah, he was in it as himself. There was a film called Free Jack in which he played the bad guy. That's right. Wasn't that uh, Emilio Estevez? Or... It was. And um, I heard that's a good movie. I keep forgetting to watch that movie for the last 40 years. Uh, it is not a good movie. Oh. You will be entertained. You, If you saw that film, you would. And there's that guy who... Gosh, he's a famous actor. I know his face. He was in um, uh, he was in Scrooged with Bill Murray, and the guy gets in the taxi and goes, "Take me to so and so set." And he goes, "What floor?" That funny guy was in the film. Oh, um, David Johansson. Yes, yes. 
Free Jack, it was called, and he was the bad guy. But he was also the bad guy in Bent in 97. He was the bad guy in a film I never saw called The Man from Elysian Fields. Elysian? 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 So he also did some co-producing, like, okay, let's see here. Jagger was to mention his greatest acting role. What? The David Bowie video, Dancing in the Streets. Yeah, yeah, that's in his I remember Family Guy did a parody of it by just showing the entire video in its entirety, <laughs> and that was it. It was four minutes of Family Guy. It was that fucking video? Listen, I saw that movie back, uh, video back in the day, and everything. I really don't know it well, but I do know that song, and I think they did a good version. I they mean, did a version of it, you know. I mean, it, it was well produced, and it just didn't seem necessary, and. <laughs> You know, they, um, I was just going to say that if there was ever a song that didn't need remaking, it's yeah. that one. You know, yeah, the song is perfect. You don't really need to. Right. You know, it, they kind of do the shtick that like Steve Martin does, where Steve Martin and like Alec Baldwin are hosting, or he's there with Martin Short. He's like, they're like, hey, we're wacky. Remember us? Yeah. Look at him taking it out with turpentine. That, that you don't think that's close to his eyes? Of it must really hurt. These actors, I mean, I don't get it, but it must really hurt. It looks good. Look at him. Why is he? What is? What is the director doing? See, this guy Turner, who's Mick Jagger, was a former pop star. Okay, and he gave up being a pop star about ten years earlier. And it'll be explained to us by Anita later that he lost his demon. He lost his demon. I don't know. It's. Oh God, my mojo, baby. Right, right. It is his, they represent his mojo by calling it a demon. And he's been here in this house for 10 years. I mean, he goes out and stuff, but I mean, he's been living here in 10 years doing nothing, just living off his money because he's trying to get his demon back. Now, look how the boy is in a skirt, unless I'm wrong, and that's a girl. Well, let's listen to the kids speak. Let the kids speak. Sounds like a boy to me. Yeah, well, I let me check my English to English dictionary. See what the fuck they're saying. Oh, by the way, do you hear the music in the background? Right. The Rolling Stones were supposed to do this soundtrack, but the thing is. Keith Richards knew that they were up there doing sex scenes together, and he was pissed off about it, and he refused. He would not do the soundtrack. Okay. It was intended that the Rolling Stones would write the soundtrack due to the complicated nature of various relationships off screen. Huh. This never happened. That's um, the only thing. It was rumored that Anita Pallenberg in the relationship with Keith Richards and Mick Jagger played out sexual scenes for real. When Richards heard the rumors, he apparently took to sitting in a car outside the house where the film was being shot. So right now, it could, you know, as the guy goes rolling, Keith Richards might be outside being jealous. Um, and this did not do a very healthy thing for Jagger and Richards' musical chemistry. And the soundtrack came together from another of sources. He was angry about the sex scenes, refused to play. Rye Cooter filled yeah. in. Huh. Now, there's a lot of slide guitar stuff, which was Rye Cooter's signature. And, but, but Keith Richards 
did it all the time too. So you can tell they were trying to be the Rolling Stones and some of the Rolling Stones members are playing on this soundtrack. Is the late Charlie Watts on it? Um, Who is it? Probably. He was probably slapping the skins. Yeah. Listen, last open night, Mike, I did your tickle the ivories joke. Uh, I, did, I did that Peter Best, but Peter Better was horrible drummer. And I did uh, Crack in the Mirror. And uh, I forget what else, but you, I have a staff of writers, and his name is Mike Spiegelman. Hey, listen, you know what? We do comedy because we, we have to, you know? It's his passion. So if your passion is to do my jokes, that go and drive yeah. over to Mike, wait two hours and do my jokes, then, you know, that's your passion. What can I tell you? So he calls up his, his um, relative again, and the relative's like, good news. It's all set. It's all set. He's gonna, he got the passport. He's going to get you on this ship that will sail to America. Everything is cool. The only thing is he needs a passport photo, okay? So now Chaz is going to be on a mission to get a passport photo. This movie just ratchets it up the suspense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I need a passport photo. But yeah, this this movie called Scavenger Hunt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now you need yourself one. You get your pearly whites all polished because you got to do a picture, right? <laughs> Everything looks so cool. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you, we were talking about how generations get envious of previous generations, but. Yep. It looks, I mean, it doesn't look like great living, but it looks great, you know? Yeah, like You're like, you should love the 80s, Carl. Stop fantasizing, wishing you were born in the, you know, lived through the 60s. The 80s was your time. There was no Devo in the 60s. There was no B-52s. Right, yeah. What about the B-52? What about your, uh, your love for the B-52s? Here's two George Harrisons walking through the door. Oh, yeah, look at that. It's George Harrison twins. Hello, I'm George. I'm Harrison. But George Harrison produced a lot of movies. He had a, a label, uh, something called Hemsdale. And they yeah. did like uh, Time Bandits and shit like that. So yeah. did a, a recently a documentary about it. It's supposed to be interesting. I mean. <clears throat> One thing I can tell you, and I don't know if it's interesting, is um, the Beatles did Let It Be at Twickham Studios. And we saw that uh, gangster movie when they're all kids. That was done at Twickham Studios. Oh, Bugsy Clunk. Yeah, right. And parts of uh, this were shot in Twickham. Is that interesting? Huh. That's uh, interesting. It's like the, the Georgia of its day. So now they're like, what the bleating hell happened to your hair? Because oh, he's trying to get the red out. You're not a redhead. You don't smell like gasoline anymore. What's up? Yeah. He goes, this is my natural hair. I'm trying to rework my image as a juggler. Now, Mike, if you saw a guy with painted hair, you would, right. you would think that's his natural color. It's ridiculous. I would kind of, even in the 60s, say that, that looks like red paint. Right. I mean, even in the 60s, I would probably guess it. Now, Anita replaced a pregnant Marianne Faithful. Now, you heard of Marianne Faithful? Yes, I have, Carl. 
Just because I listen to Devo and 80s stuff doesn't mean I, I'm not familiar with <laughs> Don't insult me. Don't condescend to me. Don't you condescend to me. Well, uh, she was a big star in England, and she was Mick Jagger's girlfriend. He, they did a song that they wrote. She did a song they wrote called As Time Goes By, which maybe isn't the greatest song, but, you know, when it's playing, you like it, you know. And uh, she was a big part of – remember I said Anita was not the only Stone's muse. Marianne Faithful was another one of them. She just was in their circle. She was – I wouldn't call it an entourage or clique because they weren't hangers-on. They were contributors. You know, Anita criticized Beggar's Banquet's mix. Mick went back and remixed the whole thing because of it. They really, she was a very smart person. I know she was all up on drugs and she was, right. she was young, but she had a brain. And she, everybody who, you know, I read about her on the internet raves about how quick and sharp she was. How, let's hear her talk a little she's, bit. She's, she's no older than the Rolling Stones. I mean, no, that's right. She's contemporary with them. She's just a bird. Like like guys do get the credits and women are just kind of no Mike don't be like that they're no, not I'm on my Rolling soapbox. Stones they are totally getting the credit I'm telling you all the things people are raving about she right. was an actress and a model and the uh, the parent of Keith Richards' children she and Marianne Faithful absolutely get credit for their contributions and being part of the Rolling Stones scene. Um, they are not marginalized because they are women. Listen, I'm trying to think of like pop culture moments with the Rolling Stones. They okay. did a movie called Cocksuckers Blues, right? But it's never released. Uh, I don't know that. It sounds familiar. You well, you got to see that the, the documentary of Alamont, whatever. I, I saw that. It's on the streaming services. Yeah, they hired the Hell's Angels to do security, and the Hell's Angels. We're being the Hell's Angels, and they killed. They killed the black man. You get to watch yeah, it. That's right. It's strange too because there's a, a really good documentary on Hulu about a uh, Harlem uh, music festival that happened the same year as Woodstock. It mm -hmm. lasted several weeks, and uh, they had the Black Panthers doing security, and no one was hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, the Black Panthers are a misunderstood group because you see them with guns. They were a very uh gosh what is the word they really uh, genuinely and authentically cared they had their integrity for yeah. their they started this thing called the free breakfast program and they did it in many cities yeah um, and that was listen you take your poor, poor black children down to this little cafeteria and they'll feed you before you go to school so that you can have your brain on right while you're in school right. They did this in Watts in Chicago. They did it in Los Angeles. Um, in uh, it wasn't called Compton. It was I forget. They did it in Harlem when Harlem wasn't Columbia University and gentrified. When Harlem was the real Harlem, they did it in many places around the country. Yeah, and they they were able to do security without killing someone. Uh, yes, for a concert. Well, I mean, the Hells Angels, there's nothing there except we like to dress up and be bikers. We like to be criminals and sell crank, you know? It right. wasn't like the Black Panthers who were born out of a real true need uh, in a society. Uh, the Hells Angels were having fun and being va vagabond. Uh, that's not the word. 
they, they weren't they hell's angels didn't come from a good place they came from a shitty place you know have you have you seen jesus and the black messiah uh black jesus and, uh what was that movie the, the one with uh it's the guy won an oscar for it oh a movie i thought you were asking me if i had really seen the black messiah no I, <laughs> black jesus judas and the black messiah is called it's really okay, well done. should i watch it yeah, I would absolutely recommend it. It's really well done. Judas and the Black Messiah. If you have the HBO Max, it's an HBO Max movie. You know, I don't pay for HBO Max. I sign up for the free trial, and they're on to me. They're on to me. Oh, they're like, hey, buddy. Yeah, sorry. D don't, nice try using a different credit card. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, this is the eighth day. Sorry. <laughs> That's how I saw the last uh, thing of Game of Thrones. Okay, wait. Judas and the it was it, it premiered uh as a first run movie on HBO Max and it's now on regular rotation but it, it's excellent. Okay, I've got to come back to the film. Okay. He went up there with his cleaned up hair and he said, "I need to change my image. I need a photo to change my image." And what he's really trying to do is get that passport photo. So then they dress him up in this silly posh outfit. And they take all pictures of him and stuff. And he's just playing along, trying to get to the chance of passport photo, you know? Right. Nick, remember Joey Maddox whipped him on the back? Yeah, I do. Okay, he's had these open scars that are infected all this time. Has that been a week and a half or so? And he hasn't had them attended. Mick finally saw them, and Anita's, like, cleaning them up with, um, uh, uh, pair, uh, what do you call that foamy stuff? Hydro. Hydro. Oh, Mr. Bubbles? <laughs> yeah, with Mr. Bubbles, because you know that kills bacteria, just like Neosporin. And he's saying, I would like a plain photo, just a black and white photo, just of my shoulders and head. And then Mick is like, Oh, you mean a passport photo? And he looks all caught, you know. <laughs> Listen to this cool bluesy thing Mick is doing. Why you gotta be so rude? Right here, right now. Now, Mick is doing something very minimalist, right? He's doing mostly singing and drum beating, but then he'll pluck out a note or a chord. I got to tell you, Mike, what's really going on is Mick Jagger was a very novice guitar player in 1968. And so he is being creative, hardly playing the guitar. Right. Does he play guitar in, as in that band? By the 1970s, the mid-70s, Mick Jagger was a guitarist as good as others. You know, he was. Yeah. But in 1968, no, he was their front man and singer. And he left the guitar to Brian Jones, who did it so damn well. And you know Keith Richards can play. So I saw Keith Richards was in this Pirates of the Caribbean, and they tried to talk Mick into doing it too, but he, he turned it down because he right. thought it was silly. So I YouTubed it because I'm researching this movie, and it was a terrible scene. It was a silly, silly scene. Oh, the scene's available? Yeah, if you put in Keith Richards, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and then the name of the movie, it was like the third movie. Sure. Uh, you'll find the clip. And it doesn't, nothing about it says, he already looks like a goddamn pirate. You know what I mean? 
nothing about it says cool here's keith richards as a pirate he already looks like a damn pirate right yeah yeah, yeah. well of course you know they probably were very enthusiastic that i mean during the time a lot of the pirates dvd sales were like huge so if you mm-hmm. had a dvd extra where you had mick jagger on set you yeah. could sell a dvd off of that yeah or you would say hours of exclusive that yeah you know i've been looking through my old dvds and they'll say we have over three hours of exclusive uh uh bonuses and it's like an hour and a half of it is a commentary track oh they count that of course yeah, it's it's the entire the movie. Movie as part of the bonus double the movie look at anita she is beautiful and she's so sexually suggestive did you see how she just scratched her crotch yeah but she knows the cameras on her. She was a very smart person. And she's really being an actress here. Okay, now when Mac, when Mick learned about the passport, he realizes this guy isn't who he pretends to be. So they slipped him magic mushrooms as they were helping him with his back being all hurt. And so now he's about to go on this big trip, man. Well, I gotta get uh, more coffee. I'll be right back. But I, I have to get more coffee. Okay, go ahead. All right, and then you get more coffee. <laughs> so now, audience, he's just admiring. Like I've, you know, the table's pretty. I've never looked at a flame this way before. He's tripping out. He's gonna buy it from Turner. Oh, there's a crack in the mirror, and it's Chaz's butt. Chaz's real name is Johnny. Look how they horribly taped up his uh, back. Taped a pad on it. So he's tripping right now, but it's not the most intense part. You know, it's just begun, and they're really going to learn about him now. Um, Now, Anita got this role, but Mia Farrow, not only was Marianne Faithful going to have the role, but she was pregnant. They also considered Mia Farrow, who was absolutely about London at this time. She was all with the Beatles and everything. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. She was going to play the part of Lucy that was played by that French uh, actress. You're back, Mike. I can hear. You can hear me? You can hear me breathing? But Tuesday Weld and Mia Farrow were somehow injured before the filming started. Uh, so so Anita just fell into this part, and it was perfect. Wait, were you saying that Tuesday Weld was going to take this role, or Mia yep. Farrow? yep. Tuesday Weld was going to play Anita's part, and Mia Farrow was going to be the French one. Now, look, they're finding his gun, and he's because he's tripping, he's open about it. He's letting them know that he is a gangster, and this has been a scam, but he's not doing it like a confession. They're, they're just intuitively putting to – what's the word? Inductive. They're inductively figuring it out. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Boy, Anita changed her whole outfit now. Yeah, she, well, she went into Mick's closet. 
But I mean, she's even changed her hairstyle. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe it was part of the trip. He's starting to get deep into the trip now. So they, they're performers. He was performing while he was acting. He was performing when he pretended to be a juggler. Mick used to perform. And now Mick is dressed up as like a gangster guy. Oh, they're going to do a performance? They are. But the thing is, you don't see it. You see, after, after the film was shown, as you know, Warner Brothers said, fuck that. They were like, even destroy the negative. But somebody had their brain on and said, let's just try to recut this thing. Let's give it six months and come back to it. So they cut out a lot of crap, a lot of, I wouldn't call it crap. It wasn't crap. But they cut out a lot of scenes to make it shorter and to get to Mick Jagger quicker. That was a big part of the cutting. Now, look how much he's tripping now. They're dressing them all up. Right. So Mick has this whole thing in which he sings a song before MTV. It was very rock video as this gangster person. Now, if you go on YouTube, you can find it. If you put in performance and you put in, um, what was it called? Mick. It's not in front of me right now. I forget what the name of the song is, but you can catch it. And it, it's not good, but it's. Now, as a music video, so. You know, you had mentioned that the Stones kind of kibosh doing the soundtrack because yeah. of, uh, did Mick did. did like Mick contribute to the soundtrack at least? Yes. Well, he's singing that song, and that song appears on the soundtrack. Um, Mick did contribute. I don't know the full story, but I know that the Stones, at least uh, you know, bass and drums, were playing back up to Roy Roy Cooter, and. Right that um lots of slide guitars on it and mick is on it it was really keith who said screw this that's my girlfriend you just can't bang my girlfriend listen you can bang anybody in the world all the birds want you why are you banging my girl what is, why does keith richard sound a lot like owen wilson <laughs> <laughs> plenty of blame to go around there's other women hey why do you gotta bang my girl? <laughs> there you go. British Howard Wilson. Now, During the filming, uh, Donald Kamel allegedly encouraged the casting to take drugs and mingle sexually to get them into the mood and atmosphere. But why did he need to do that? Okay, now uh, Anita is sort of half teasing him that like about being, he's like uh, being homophobic. I feel like a man all the time. You're like a girl with your tit. <laughs> he's gonna freak. I gotta read up about this. The history sounds really interesting though. Yeah. And I should check out that other guy's movies, like see what else he did. Well, I've got a lot of them in my Netflix queue now. And oh, you do? Yes, I did. And he goes on. 
he's not really the director here, but he's got his toe half in the water, dipped in the water, you know. He will, after this film, become a director, as you and I know. Yeah. Look, what now he's going to get homophobic. All right, there's his tits on him. He's got tits on the brain. Yeah, there's a, oh, there isn't a crack in that. <laughs> You're going to have to return this nip mirror. There's a nipple in it. If I went to the shop and said this mirror's got a crack, well, then I got a fighting chance. But well, if I say good. there's a nipple in this mirror, most of them are going to return it. Yeah, that doesn't work. Crack in the mirror works. There's Jeez. a crack in the bed. You see that? Yeah, well, holy shit. Okay, now the French girl will be the one to sleep with Chaz. I guess not yet. That's still Anita. Boy, they're just fucking with him, you know? He's tripping and right. trying to see who he really is, you know? We know you've been fooling us with your act. Well, with your red hair and then suddenly your red hair disappears. Yeah. Your clothes smell better. I, I, don't, I don't understand. What are you and doing? And you want a passport. <laughs> and you had so much money to throw at us. You see, he went there for 41 quid and they said well then there's this charge that charge in a month's rent and blah 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 and he ended up giving him 137 quid he's never met a hippie before no no this is that's right now look he's violent it's all part of the trip though Oh, now he's learning about how Mick is no longer a performer because he lost his demon. My mojo, my libido. Right. Look at him with his makeup on his eye eyeliner makeup. Okay, Mick Jagger act. Uh, I'm Mick Jagger and I lost my mojo. No one's going to believe it. <laughs> he's overhearing them. He's got a recording studio, and apparently there's a mic in the room, and he can hear himself being talked about. That's what's going on there. This wig will remain on him for the rest of the film, and it will get really fucked up looking. All right. Looking forward to it. Mick Jagger, what did you think of the Ruddles? Oh, the Ruddles, they uh, were our main competition during the 1960s. <laughs> and got great, 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 great parody. Great job, Good job. Thanks for being in the film. The, the Ruttles ripped off the monkey. The Ruttles ripped off the monkeys. Thanks oh, that's hilarious. The film. Tripping, tripping, tripping. Okay, and that's cut. Eric Idle, uh, let's get more of Lauren Michaels' friends in front of the camera. Hi, I'm Dan Ackman. I'm a big fan of the Ruttles. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You watch the Ruttles, like, you, you hear the Ruttles and, like, you know, when you're a kid, you become a Beatles fan, and then you say, oh, my God, they made fun of the Beatles, and you get into the Ruttles, and you're like, oh, your mother should go. Should go. Ouch. That's you're breaking my heart. Ouch. Tear me <laughs> apart. Ouch. 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 Look at genius. genius. And then they made that terrible really video uh, documentary. That was done by a Monty Python guy. It was Eric Idle. Ah, yes, 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 yes. And he, uh, he I've got, uh, the name is right in front of me, of course, but the Bonzo G 
Doodah Dogman, I think, was worked with them. I for, I did see the Ruddles. I remember it in detail, but I don't know that I. Not very. I'd have to see it again. Now, look, he doesn't have a lightsaber. He has a fluorescent light, but the, I don't understand how it's being lit. Now, with a fluorescent light bulb, you can be touching some electricity and touch the uh, prongs to it, and it illuminates. Maybe that's what's going on. Well, I, I remember there was some tubes with batteries in it. Oh, that, that, so maybe it's just... Like a, like... You hear how Rolling Stones it sounds? Yeah. Man, I guess you really have to be a fan of his. No, it's plugged in that 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 fight. Plugged in. Okay. He's so bizarre looking, Mick Jagger, you know? His eyes look far away and distant and lost. His lips don't work for his face. He's so weird. Yeah, I mean there's there's people who have talent who have looks and there's people who have looks who just get get what they Yes, do. right. So now he's saying, you forgot to call your friend. The lie was he had to call his agent and give him a publicity photo, which was really the passport. Go which to is the passport so he can get out of town. Right. So he's saying, you forgot to call your agent. And when he calls, he really calls his relative. As you know, we've seen the relative throughout the film. He's going to help him out with his passport. But the mobsters put two and two together, and they got to the relative. Oh. So here he's calling him. You hear that stereotypical phone ring of England. Boop, boop. <laughs> boop, boop. Well, he's sitting the comedy phone, you know, back before a phone. <laughs> with his head. And you're on the phone, and you're, like, holding the phone like this. First time I ever heard that was Pink Floyd. Oh, right. So every time I hear the English ring, I, I expect to hear, Hello, this is the United States calling. Are we reaching? This is Pink. This is Floyd. So that was the only joke of the film. He goes, I've got a passport photo right here. And then you take a look at it, and it's him looking stupid in the wig. <laughs> I've oh, changed me look. <laughs> So this movie has a sense of humor. No, that's the only joke. That's the only joke. Okay, <laughs> for Lark. Right. See, the gangsters are in the room with the husband and wife relative. Oh, that's kind of ominous. Yeah. I like the, the, the camel on top of her uh, nightstand. That's because it was Donald Camel, the director. Oh, about history. This is shot right now in Twickham Studios. This little apartment they're in, their bedroom. Gotcha. With the members only jackets. <laughs> no, there is no such thing. Look at that guy. That's total members only. And members only ripped them off. Yeah, you see how it has those little buttony clips you don't yeah. need on the shoulders for what? And then Sears ripped off that guy's jacket. Loud and proud I am. For my suit is. Uh oh. Oh. 
watching these camels. Yeah, there's uh, the, the Egypt. So, uh, it's not interesting what's happening on screen. Maybe I'll tell you some more. Oh, he's doing film on film, where you see uh, a film about it's film. It's not a about film, it. though. It's, it's, it's in 3D, right? Those right, guys. because of two. Yeah. Uh, your eyes are... Okay, Sandy Liberson was the producer. So, it was Sandy... Donald and Nick Roig. So we go, he's talking here. There was a real closeness between Nick Donald and myself. I didn't realize at the time, but Donald was depressive. He would have bouts of really deep depression. Nick understood the process of filmmaking and the industry. He was part of it. Donald was always an outsider, and that made it hard for him. By the way, Donald Kamel would go on to kill himself. It would be 1996. He was a very troubled person who did great work despite all of his issues and problems. He was a painter, which makes right. sense, right? He was a writer, and he was then to become a director. And I just praise him for living with his demons and still being productive, even though he was – another person would be a basket case. Yeah, and unfortunately, I guess something like the demons took over. Yeah, yeah, but it took a lot of years. It took a lot of years. Um, okay, so Sandy's also, the producer's also saying, uh, I knew before I saw Mick on screen that it would work, but once I saw him in character, it really became clear it was going to be exciting and interesting to have him. Okay, we were a bit nervous because he was surrounded by people telling him, why do you want to be a movie actor? And why do you want to work in a film with a novice director? We worried that he might have second thoughts. He wasn't due on set for a few weeks, so we got him to come down early anyway and filmed him for a day, spray-painting a wall and various bits and bobs. That way he could see how good he looked on camera. And it kind of committed him emotionally and intellectually to the film. And Sandy admits here, he goes, it was a deliberate ploy. Ah. They didn't want to lose their star before they even started filming. No, and it makes perfect sense. And then, obviously, they reuse some of that footage, but uh, to have Mick Jagger look at himself is a great way of getting him involved. Sandy reports there was another 15 minutes of interesting material, but we had to cut it at the insistence of Warner Brothers to get Mick on the screen earlier. It all got lost. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, speaking of HBO Max, I did watch the, the Space Jam movie, and uh, part of the criticism is that in the, the final Space Jam bout, the audience, the AI, creates uh, polls characters from Warner Brothers movies. Uh -huh. So for a kids' film, you have, like, Ken Russell's The Nuns show up, which is a film they won't show in England, in America. Uh, -huh. uh There's Pennywise, there's uh, The Basque shows up, but there's, like, all uh, the Droogs show up, so... I'm sure that if they can get like Mick Jagger in there, he would be in there. Uh, I gotcha. So it doesn't matter about like, you know, it has this controversy and this film took two years to get released and re-edited. Right. It's Three times. Now, and they can use it for whatever they want. Right. Absolutely. They can intercut it to other stuff. No problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like if they wanted to, this would be in Space Jam. Okay, I said he would have the wig on the whole time, but apparently he was just in bed with the French girl with it off, so I apologize. Now, look, she goes, look, I'm at a shampoo. Oh, no, she's French. She doesn't say it. She doesn't speak that no, way. 
She goes, I am out of shampoo. Go downstairs and fetch it for me. I've got to go to. I've got to go to. Maybe I'll come with you. Oh, man. Shampoo. She goes, oh, man, which is the only thing you tell a French person to say, because it's the only right. word you know. It's, goes, it's shampoo. Fetch it for me. I'm doing English again. I am out of shampoo, monsieur. <laughs> There's your French. Now, look at how Chaz has changed. He was the gangster, and now he's a freak, man. So who should he find? The gangsters, his old boys. Hello, Chaz. They look at him, and they don't comment. Yeah, everyone's had an acid bender, you know? Yeah. Uh, Some of these like, guys are real gangsters, by the way. It seems like Monday morning. Wait, what? Work? Yeah. Yeah, it's time for work. What? I just dressed up. Yeah, I'm just playing dress up. No, it's not the it's the weekend. You're coming to see me on the weekend when I'm a weekend warrior freak. Yeah, weekend warrior. So he says. Give me a minute to do what I got to do, or we're going to have a fight. We're going to have a gun battle. So he goes, oh, we've got a minute, Chaz, no problem. <laughs> well, I tell you, this movie is definitely one of our better films, because I, this is the first time I'm looking at the time. We only have like six minutes left. Yeah. So this battle got to go. That's impressive, man. I got to give it up high mark for this movie. It's a good film. It really is. And with today's standards, it doesn't seem so debauched. But if you were in 1968, you know, yeah. what are these kids doing? They're going to ruin the country. Those are real gangsters, real thugs from London. Yes. I, so you said, well, I always, I asked the, the theater goer, the theater manager, I said, there's no real thugs on it. I'm out of here. <laughs> I know I said it many times, but I had the opportunity to point at two dudes and say, those guys. Yeah, but it's like, is the guy who bit the finger off? He looks like a, like you could hug him, like a Care Bear. Well, that guy plays Mr. Flowers and the boss of everything, and he was an actor. He really was an actor. He wasn't a gangster. He was just a, a, a hooligan. He uh, fought, and he bit a guy's finger off, and he did drugs, and he was just, he was he was like a patron of the mob, not the mob. Gotcha. Okay, the thing that Chaz had to come upstairs and do was kill Mick Jagger. Wait, why? I don't know. I've seen this film maybe four or five times, and I'm thinking that it could be that Chaz is the demon, demon that left Mick. And, I mean, as a, as a, uh, not a simile, as a, as a, so he uh, he's the demon that left Mick, and now he's going to he comes back to sh I don't know shut him down. I don't understand why he does it, but he does it. Is it an allegory? Here it comes! Here it comes! Here it comes! Stop keeping us in suspense, film. Is he or won't he? Now, they use the music to build up the tension. Whoa, this is pretty cool. Yeah. 
Carl, don't don't tell me that wasn't cool. We watch the bullet goes into his brain, and then we see another image. And we now look. One of this apparently, this is backwards. You see them walking to the car. I don't know why, but they're walking backwards and and showing the film backwards. Why? This scene right here. Yeah. You can't tell. So, uh, Bruce. Yeah. Now Anita's just being cool. He's going to start checking stuff out for no real reason. The movie's over now. The guy's been shot, so I don't know why we have this scene at all. The Chaz hasn't been shot, right? Just Mick? Mick has been shot. Chaz knows he's going to die. There's Mick in the uh, shot. How did he get into the closet? I don't know. How long of a show do we have? Oh, it's Mini-Me. Again. This was shot. You see the guy going backwards? The little kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? And I also don't understand why this guy's checking out the place where Chaz hid out. Like, it's over. They've got Chaz. He's going to the car with them. This why music's kind of cool. Here, Chaz approaches the car, and Mr. Yeah. Flowers is right there. And that was the first person shot. We got to see it through Chaz's eyes. Yes. Oh, it's the, it's the Black Rose Race from the beginning of the movie. No. This is the bad guy's Rolls Royce. They fucked up one of the people they wanted to extort. Oh. And now he goes back to Gangsterland, or they shoot him? Yeah, he goes back to Gangsterland, and I guess he's going to be shot. Yeah. I guess he's going to be killed. I really don't know. We don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been our movie performance for Nicholas Berlag uh, from back in 1970. Uh, 1970. Carl, what you think of the movie? Uh, I really like this movie. I, I thought it was very good. There was some stuff about it I thought was sloppy, but it was their first time ever. I just spoke about, they did a few mistakes in the beginning and here way in the end. They did some right. mistakes, but so what? It was great. And like, uh, it was also of the times, you know, and it was good to see Mick um, doing a role and, my research of this film like taught me all about Anita and how deeply she was involved yeah, right. in everything they did. And they were the ones seeking her out. She wasn't a hanger-on. I like this film. I liked it a lot, and I would recommend it to people, even not listening to our commentary. Yeah, this does definitely seem like a movie that I'm going to rewatch uh, without listening to our show, God forbid. But uh, yeah. I definitely want to rewatch it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And again... A testament to this movie. When I finally looked at the time, it had five minutes left. That's the yeah. greatest print you can get. Clap, 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 clap. Clap, clap, clap. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Nicholas Roag's uh, performance from 1970 with Mick Jagger and a bunch of British people. We this is the second <laughs> Nicholas Roag movie, Rogue movie we've seen. We've been watching a lot of highfalutin films, Carl. So I have to stop this. Next week, uh, we are going back into the swell of things with uh, a 1985 movie called Stitches. Stitches. Like, you know, when you get Sounds when you get familiar. hurt, you have to get stitches. You know, like, snitches get stitches. Right, right. Just, but I mean, something about, I think I might have heard of the film Stitches. 
Uh, really? I think so. Uh, let's see. Is there a trailer out there? There is a trailer, but I could do a fake trailer. If there's a real trailer, let's do... All right, we'll do the real trailer. All right. All right. So my feelings aren't hurt. 1985. We'll do both. We'll do both. No, once you, once you hear the first one, you realize, like, I'm just basically imitating the first one. Okay, I found it. Is it Video Detective? That is it, yeah. Okay. I'm rewinding to 000. Well, let's encourage, since we're doing the real trailer for next week's movie, it's a movie called Stitches. Look for Stitches trailer in 1985 from Video Detective. All right, Carl. Ready? Three. Are you going to play the sound? Yeah, I got it in a full okay. volume. Okay, I'm ready. Three, two, one, sigh, go. The air in these halls is thick with tradition. Welcome to the Brantford School of Medicine. Consider it a privilege to be here. Within these hallowed halls, the doctors of tomorrow are learning to save lives. Terminal. Oh, they need to change the dress card. Here, three dedicated students. System. Well, boys, what do you think? Healing the skeletal system. I have to rest, And stimulating the nervous system. I, Al Rosenberg, would like to suck the nail polish off your toes. But before they graduate med school, they'll have to learn professional courtesy. Do you mind? We're trying to have a private conversation. Pass the school's physical exam. Hey, where's the beef? <laughs> there it is. Oh, that guy. There's Mr. Flowers. Mike, we're right back to crap. Thanks. Oh, yeah. we <laughs> Enough of these British art movies in the 1970s. We're not watching a good movie. <laughs> so that's Stitches, 1985. Carl, the director, is Alan Smithy. Ah, that was so bad. Somebody said, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Let's put Smithy's name on it. So we'll be watching that next week. Please. Subscribe to our show. You'll get it right into your podcast feed. You don't have to do any effort. It just look for L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T or make us on the afternoon of it. Listen to us streaming first on mutinyradio.fm. Uh, check out that's the website, too. They're doing the uh, their sixth annual comedy festival, uh, Mutiny Radio Festival. So get some details. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, and check out all the programming. We're a big fan of the show before us, what's really happening with Luke. Uh, but there's a lot of great shows on Sunday. And once in a while, station manager Pam Benjamin gets a live show going on Sunday. So you can definitely just tune in. And, More than and, once in a while, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times. And actually, I heard she does a mean barbecue over at the station. So uh, if you're in the neighborhood, why don't you go by and uh, check out some live shows. Uh, they do live shows there for Fridays, Mondays, uh, a lot of local shows. So, again, 
website is muniradio.fm for all your information. Carl, do you have a website for all your information? Yeah, it's carlsucks.com, and that is some information maybe you didn't need to know. Oh, well, you know, you you put it out there. You could have been like, Carl's a cool dude and stuff. <laughs> That's not self-effacing, and we're supposed to be pretending that we're humble. Yeah, right. So, uh that old that old canard. We don't have to. <laughs> you know the people who are successful. You know the people who are successful. They don't. They don't self efface. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's been a, my prep my prep speech. I'm I'm Ted Lasso here. Uh, just believe, Carl. Okay. All right. We'll Thank see you guys you next week. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you very much, Carl, and audience. We'll talk to you soon. Let's watch. My turn-ons are dancing in the dark, kissing on a lark, and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. squared it's uh yeah it's not tuesday again this is uh this is two in a row that i've done in, in the house but uh this one's very special so uh so stick around this time have you seen that vigilante man have you seen that vigilante man have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Yeah, this week on Bug House Square, I'm doing. Um, I, I it's, it's a it's a warm blanket kind of show. I I, I need it. I'm. Uh, it's a kind of a life uh, uh, monument, or uh, I don't know. Uh, it's. <laughs> It's, it's a new, it's a new thing, it's a new thing, and uh, change change is hard sometimes. Sleeping just as still as a mouse, man come along and it chased us out in the rain. Was that a vigilante man? Stormy days we'd pass the time away. Sleeping in some good warm place Man come along and we give him a little race Was that a vigilante man? 
Preacher Casey was just a working man. And he said, unite all you working men. Killed him in the river, some strange man was that, a vigilante man. Shotgun in his hand, would he shoot his brother and sister down? I rambled around from town to town. I rambled around from town to town. And they herded us around like a wild herd of cattle was that the vigilante men. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land.
Thank <laughs> you.